0: Welcome to Walk Tall, a podcast brought to you by Carolina Herrera. Forging a career path is hard, and we all know that there's a confidence gap between men and women in business, especially for those just starting out. But what if you could learn from the women who have broken through, challenged stereotypes, and stepped into their power? Well, now you can. Following in the footsteps of Carolina herself who, over the last four decades, has become one of the world's most distinguished fashion and beauty designers. This show will empower the next generation of women to reach their full potential in the workplace. We'll be inviting icons in their industries to share their tips, tricks, and takeaways for defining success on your terms. In other words, think of this show as your personal, portable career coach. I'm Tony Tone and in each episode, I'll tackle a different workplace challenge to help you find the confidence to walk towards. This episode is all about manifesting your dream career. We'll be chatting about the manifestation mindset, including the power of self-belief, goal setting, and visualizing. We are so excited to be sitting down with two guests today, an expert in personal development, and a woman who is the ultimate example of manifesting her career dreams. It is such a thrill to welcome Abisola Amole, a creative entrepreneur and interior designer, and Michaela Jackson, an award-winning career and personal development coach to Walk Tall. Hey, ladies. Hey. I want to do an amazing intro for both of you because you are both phenomenal women. So first, I'll start with Abisola. Abisola, or Abby Marvel, as her community referred to her, began her career in 2008 with a blog This led to the launch of a creative and digital agency. Abby Sola then did a big career pivot, moving into interior styling and design, eventually building a super successful career as the CEO of the Apartment Global Group, which comprises of four different companies. Michaela is an award-winning career and personal development coach and the founder of London-based coaching collective, She Almighty. She herself has been on a transformational career journey exploring a variety of different career paths, including working in recruitment and becoming part owner of a marketing company in Australia before discovering coaching. Abisola, Michaela, welcome to Walk Tall. I'm so excited to have you both with us today.
1: So excited to be here. Thank thank you you. for having
0: us. So to ease you into your interview, what I love to do with guests is start with a very simple question. What did you both want to be when you grew up? I'll start with
2: Abisola. What did you want to be? Um, I mean, it's not super exciting, but I wanted to be a fashion designer. I think I was always just keen on wearing exactly what I wanted. So I thought, yeah, I'll do that. And then I realized I couldn't design. So that... so you pivoted. I pivoted,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to ask when
2: that changed for you, but you've pretty explained
0: quickly. Yeah, pretty yeah. quickly. And Michaela? So
1: I actually had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. And that's, I guess, a big part of my story, which I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> shortly. Okay,
0: <laughs> that's interesting to hear because I feel like as children, a lot of people have this image. I wanted to be a singer, and then I found out I could not hold a tune. But- <laughs> and I decided I would not become a singer. But it's interesting to hear that you didn't have anything in mind. So I, I would love to find out more. So let's start with a bit about your own careers. When you started your career journeys... Did you have a dream career in mind from day one?
2: Um, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say a dream career, per, like per se. I think it was more that I wanted to be recognised within certain industries, and so I know I definitely wanted to be someone who was maybe a bit more prominent within the fashion and beauty worlds, but definitely not a specific career. No. Yeah, and what about yourself, Michaela?
1: No, I mean, maybe when I was you know, little, I thought about being like a dancer or something. And I did that growing up. But honestly, you no, know, I'm a small town girl from Averestworth in Wales, <laughs> end of the train line through the mountains. Um, and there's, an, there's not a lot of career opportunities that you're exposed to there. You know, it's quite traditional jobs like teachers or police or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, working class family, my dad was an electrician, my mum worked in um, social care. And so, you know, I was kind of toggled well to do do well at school, sorry, to go to uni and then do well at uni to get a good job. But what that looked like, I had no idea. And although I felt like the world was my oyster when I graduated, um, I really didn't know what was next, you know. And um, yeah, there's far more to that, which I'm sure we'll get to as well.
0: (laughs) On that note, do you think it's important to have a clear idea or direction when it comes to starting that journey?
1: I don't think it's um, realistic to think that way, but what I do think is important is that we nurture the things that we're, and and parents help with this and teachers and those in the sphere of influence to to follow what we enjoy and explore different things and nurture what we're good at, hopefully without pressure. But yeah, I think also teaching lessons like, you know, persistence does pay off. If we really do want something, it's probably going to take some hard work an effort and some knockbacks and all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's far more about, um, you know, a lot of parents tell us that we, or, you know, that we maybe should follow that career path, right? Because it's an accepted professional path. And that leads to so much pain along the way when, um, you know, people do all this studying or they go down those paths and they don't feel aligned. And then they feel like I've wasted all this time or what now? And they feel completely lost because they've completely disconnected from what they're good at and what they love and what they enjoy and, it's about coming home to that then. Um, but yeah, sorry if I went off on a tangent there. Oh, no, that was lovely. <laughs> I was actually
0: going to ask you what advice you would give to someone who doesn't have clear direction. But I think you've really said something very important, which is harnessing what you're good at, what you love and following your passions. Uh, Abisola, do you feel like that was a big part of your career journey?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, I'm also quite an impressionable person. I'm the kind of person that will watch Step Up and think, I'm, I'm gonna be a dancer. And then I'll watch Dev West Prada and I'm like, okay, well, now I'm gonna be yeah. a magazine. So, so I kind of yeah. was just riding a wave, I still am, in that I, I like to just explore things that interest me. And so, similarly to what you're saying, it's really great to be um, inspired and encouraged by the people around you. But I also feel like don't be scared to just be inspired by really random things that you know, you might even have a really great cake and think, maybe should Try baking, like uh, that's how my mind works. So, um, I've always been about trying new things, so yeah, I definitely feel like you don't have to have one particular path to begin with, or even feel like you have to stick with that for a long time. Can you remember the most random
0: thing you were inspired by?
2: Hmm. I mean, considering I'm not the best chef, I probably would say it was when I was watching a film called Chef, um, and I they were making the best grilled cheese. And I just thought, I could probably, I could do this. Like, <laughs> I could open my own like, van and like go around London. Yeah, you, you could have, right? I, could. I suppose I could, could have. have. I mean, I don't know how great it would taste it, but yeah. But
0: I love that you find inspiration everywhere. I think that is a really good trait to have. Considering both of you did not have this like clear vision at the start of your career journeys, you have both done incredibly well. Have you faced any challenges along the way?
2: Yeah, I think um, for me, the main challenge was that I started my career quite young um, in a professional way. I was like, my first meetings were literally with brands like Microsoft and just brands I could never imagine working with. And I think as soon as they saw this young face, it was um, it was confusing, to say the least, for them. And I think it wasn't until I could really I almost had to prove myself, uh, even though I was already in the room and they were the people who were asking for me to be in that room. I think the moment they saw me physically, it became this like almost barrier to entry for them to take it seriously. So that was kind of hard at first. I will say it, it it kind of, it changed fairly quickly. I mean, you'd always have, you know, those situations where you'd meet one person and they'd be like so shook by, you know, how you looked or whatever. But I think the moment they could see the credentials, what you were doing, there were case studies, it became easier. But that was a real big one for me just because, I was surprised that people were affected by the fact that I looked young, even though the work kind of spoke for itself. So that was a hard one for me at the beginning, for sure. And as far as people
0: underestimating you, did mm. it teach you any valuable lessons along the way? Uh,
2: yes, actually. I mean, I don't I don't know if this is a good one, but <laughs> I, I would always overestimate their ability. Mm. I'd always think like, okay, I do need to be overly prepared and I do need to make sure that I know what's happening. And then I'd get to these meetings I'm like they would not know what's happening. They would not know how social media work. Like the questions they would be asking me, like, so how does it work if you wanted to post in like a, you know, an Instagram? Like, and I just thought, like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not the smartest person, but I'm, I know, and I do deserve to be in this room. And maybe these older people could potentially learn from me. And I always thought it'd be the other way around. I thought if I'm in these rooms, I just need to like listen. But it ended up being something that I realized that it was more of a, I guess, collaborative effort. Um, which some people took to and some people not so well.
0: That's an interesting lesson. I actually read about a Cornell University study Mm. that highlighted that typically uh, underestimating yourself is a problem that a lot of women face. Mm. And apparently men typically overestimate yeah. their abilities and they apply for jobs when they meet 60% of the criteria. Persons, yeah. Whereas women yeah. underestimate their abilities and apply for jobs when they typically meet 100% yeah. of the criteria. So it's, um yeah, it's not an yeah. uncommon thing to hear. Mm. What about yourself, my Did you face any challenges along mm. the way?
1: Yeah. Do you know what I think? I know I've mentioned it, but perhaps it was my biggest challenge and perhaps my biggest blessing as well was not knowing what I wanted to do because Actually, that took me on this journey, right? And after uni, I went back home to Aberystwyth, which perhaps was a mistake. I actually wanted to come to London. But to be honest, it felt impenetrable at the time. I didn't know how to get here. I didn't know people. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was 2008, you know, it was a financial crash, I think, you know. And so applying for jobs was so incredibly disenchanting. And I think probably a lot of people can relate to that now. And I hope they take encouragement From this and that you you don't have to have it figured out but I then went off traveling by myself around Southeast Asia and Australia and as lots of people do but um you know it's such amazing life experience to do that you know and have that freedom and you take a lot from that and build your sense of self and confidence and all that kind of stuff you know it's character building that in itself but um yeah then I got to Australia and try different things and um as you sort of mentioned, I worked in luxury real estate for a bit. I became owner partner of a sales and marketing company, had some great experiences, but actually still wasn't getting that fulfillment I yearn for. And so when I came back to I wanted to come to the UK, I got to London that time. I thought, just get a job, you know, and just get here. And I got a job. That's when I got a job in recruitment, in technology recruitment Um in the city but as you can imagine that wasn't aligned either so (laughs) a few months in, I was like right I am not happy I'm living in a bit of a dingy flat in Streatham Hill I was living on a nice apartment on the beach in Melbourne so that didn't feel great I was in a relationship I wasn't happy in and I was in this job that I really wasn't happy in either and that's when I hit a low point and thought I need to make some positive changes for myself nobody can do that for me um, and that's when I discovered coaching and it kind of felt like a stars aligned moment because I mem- remember being on a double Decker bus in Brixton, like just coming across it thinking, yeah, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to go along and try it out. And went along and just thought, I, I think I could be good at this. I'm I'm going to wow. go for it. And it still took me a few more job changes, misaligned things later um, before I finally plucked up the courage just before I turned 30. significant milestone, I think, for a lot of people. You know, when you're approaching a bigger birthday, um, to set up my business and the rest is history. Here I am.
0: So... (laughs) Listening to your stories, it's clear that both of you had quite significant career pivots.
2: What was that like? What prompted you both to make changes in your career? Um, Well, for me, it kind of links to what I was saying before about being inspired by sometimes the most small things. And I think when I was about, it must've been uni, so about 18, I decided that um, I was going to try and have a stable career, whatever that might look like and what that might be. But I really wanted to let myself have the freedom to be able to explore anything that seemed interesting. And so it's, I suppose it is a pivot, but for me, I almost see it maybe more as like a continuous wave in that things will continue to change. And I don't even think I'll be doing this in a few years. I like the idea of following where, you know, some inspiration might lead. So, um, you know, when it started off with digital world, that's just native to me, you know, building websites from eight years old, because my dad used to be um, a computer engineer. And so that was, you know, being in the digital world made sense. And so having a blog and etc, it just made sense. But then I thought, Okay, I can do this fashion thing and I can do this beauty thing. So, and then I did watch Step Up and I was dancing for a little bit. And and then you know um, things things continue to change. So for me, it was like that. It wasn't necessarily a case of I uh, mapped it all out. It definitely wasn't like okay, now this part of my life will then be when I'm a dancer. It was nothing like that. It was more like um, in a moment I was inspired and I thought, let me see where this goes. And I just tried to have that hard conversation with myself of yes be financially stable. You know, you could always get a part-time job working in like a coffee shop or whatever, but do try and experiment with where you want to go because I just didn't want to miss out on anything. I just felt like, you know, when you're younger, you are told this is the career and you're doing that until you retire, which always, it confused me. Um, So yeah, that was one thing I wanted to just explore basically.
0: It's overwhelming. I completely agree. You are told Go to university, pick a degree, and that's what what you will do for the rest of (laughs) your your life. And it's like, you actually have no idea at 18 what you want to do. It's it's overwhelming. But I do like the fact that you describe pivoting as a continuous wave. Michaela, would you describe it in the same way?
1: Do you know what? Yours is a lovely story of inspiration and creativity. (laughs) Mine is one of discomfort. So (laughs) I'd be in a job and be like, no, this isn't it. Not happy here. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> and then I feel like, what next? Okay. <laughs> Apart from that stars align moment when I discovered coaching and that was obviously having to apply myself to that and learn my craft, but I do definitely relate um and um agree about that wave because everything we do leads us to something, right? It's all part of our story. Even if we feel like we're in it and we can't see just after it why we did that thing. In hindsight, we can always see why that was an important part of our journey, you know. And, and so we're always building, becoming, evolving. I love that you said, actually, I'm going to be doing this in a few years. And I love that too. That That's freedom to feel, actually, I can do whatever I want to do. And there's loads of things I can do and can be good at. And I think if anybody takes anything away from this, which hopefully there'll be loads they take away, but isn't that such a wonderful thing to think, actually, I can be and do whatever I want at, at any given point, In my life, and I don't need to know and have the answers now. No.
0: For the people listening who want to take that next step in their career and make a change, how would you describe feeling like you are in the right place and you are exactly where you are meant to be? Because you mentioned, Michaela, feeling a sense of discomfort. (laughs) How do you know the difference between discomfort because you're stepping out of your comfort zone versus discomfort yeah, because you're in the that's wrong a good career? Point.
1: So misery, I would say. No, but you know what? There is that, you know, when you just have that feeling where things don't feel right, you know, whether that's a relationship, romantic, friendship, you know, in work, whatever that is. And it's really that simple measure of does this feel good or doesn't it? is the good outweighing the bad or is the bad outweighing the good? And when the bad starts to outweigh the good, I think that's when you know that something needs to change. And because discomfort is a good thing. You're right. To go out of your comfort zone is where the magic happens and where you experience real growth. So that's a really good point that you've brought up there. But Um, and you have to kind of sense check don't you am I feeling uncomfortable because this is pushing me out of my comfort zone but it's good for me to do it and if I really kind of reason with why I'm doing this you know if you you think actually doing this it's uncomfortable and there's no point because I don't want to go down this route then there isn't or if you feel actually this will grow me and this will lead me on to where I want to go then it's worth the discomfort right (laughs) going out of your comfort zone
0: that was such a helpful explanation I would love to move on to another topic, which is manifestation. I hear the term a lot. I've used the term before. Some people believe in it. Some people do not. What does manifesting mean to both of you, either in a professional setting, personal or both? I'll start with you, Abisola.
2: Um, I think I'd split manifesting personally into two parts. So the first part would be um having things physically there in front of you, whether it's uh, a Pinterest board, whether, you know, you literally are having a pin board, whether you're buying particular books that might inspire you. I just think it's really important to have something that you can, that leads or acknowledges something that you want to do. Because I think a lot of people are very fond of being like, I really want to do this. I really want to do that. But then, they just kind of wait for it to present itself. And I don't know about you, but that's not how it's worked for me. If I, you know, if I want to do something, I have to at least start looking into it, have those like visual cues um, that can lead to some sort of inspiration. And I think that's what I've always thought manifestation was, at least for me. Um, And then the other side, because I think a lot of people think, you know, when you manifest, you're like putting something into the universe almost. For me, I look at that from like a prayer perspective. And I always think prayer and manifestation is basically the same thing because, you know, it's like two... An entity or something that you're putting out there. So for me it was always a case of if I really did want something, it's important to verbally, you know, just kind of get that out. Um and yeah, for me that was my form of manifestation, a bit of visual cues and prayer. And what about you, Michaela? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I've heard lots of crazy stories about manifestation and sort of experienced it myself. So I do believe in it, but I think what I'd say is you can manifest good and bad as well. And so I think what's really important is, is that you're in tune with and I think often we're so busy you know getting on with our everyday lives that we don't tune into what we really want and who we are and what's important to us it's important that we're connected and that we really focus on the things that we do want and that could be like you say creating a picture visually to writing those things down to saying them out loud and declaring them to giving yourself accountability and then showing up for those things and taking the action you know so um yeah, it's a whole practice, I would say. You know, and again, it's persistence. It, it links to goals, all of that kind of stuff. It feels more woo and magical, doesn't it? And there there is some magic to a degree. I love to believe in the magic. And I'm all about energy and the energy that we put out and our vibrations and all of that kind of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, you've got to show up for your dreams. Right? If you, what I do believe if you want something enough, then you will make it happen consciously and subconsciously.
0: I love both your answers Abhisattva, because you mentioned that you obviously pray and you interpret prayer and manifestation as the same or quite similar things. And I think that is really important to highlight because some people who come from a spiritual or religious background do exactly that, but they don't really regard it as manifesting when effectively it's about believing, having faith and vocalizing what you want. And I really love what you said, Michaela, about the fact people could manifest good or bad because the conversation around manifesting is always about what you want, having a great life, um, manifesting something to land in your lap when in reality our thoughts that we have day in day out is just one way of manifesting and if we don't have positive thoughts it's very hard to have positive outcomes. How do you use manifesting in your coaching then Michaela?
1: Yeah so to your point there i think what we think what we say what we do is is self fulfilling isn't it you know and so a big part of you know coaching is self awareness and mindset so helping people to tune in with their internal dialogues and narratives and belief systems good and bad you know because we've all got those that support us and hold us back that's really important and helping them tune in with what they really want you know and so what's going on from so that self-awareness is really key and then obviously our mindset it's like a muscle isn't it it's kind of start, starting to unearth those kind of limiting dialogues narratives we have for ourselves and focusing on the things that we don't want to focus on the things that we do want and supporting that with the narratives and so the things that we say the actions that we take so um and then the belief that they can you know achieve those things or have those and and with that accountability, you know, that's what coaching is all about as well, is that it's an action-orientated process with accountability. They're far more likely to make those things happen. But I think more than making things happen as well, it's have a sense of inner peace, inner confidence and trust in their path. That's really my biggest aim for most of my clients. And I hope anyone that's listening to this would, um, should be aiming for that sense of contentment you know and happy in your everyday because really our life is just a series of moments isn't it you know
0: I think for the people listening and maybe from the outside looking in it can definitely appear that the both of you have it all together and I I wanted to ask about this I wanted to ask about self-doubt because self-doubt is something I've tackled with I know a lot of our listeners have tackled with it too have either of you I'll start with you Abisola. have you ever had serious periods of of self-doubt, especially when it came to starting your business and pursuing your dream career?
2: Yeah. Um, yes, definitely periods. Um, I think, um, usually they were derived from comparison though. and, And I think that's something that I very much removed from, uh, at least in my life at the moment, but back then, you know, you can't help but look on Instagram or around and think, oh, I could be doing that. And then you think, oh, so like, am I not good enough? Like maybe I, I almost like, if I see someone better, I think, well, if I can't be the best, maybe I shouldn't do it at all. And that's definitely not the way to be thinking. Um, but that very much was how I was back then when I was sort of like 20. So it was just, yeah, it's hard when you're seeing like other people. And I think when you're young, especially you can't help but compare yourself even to older people. And you think, why am I not there? But it's like you're literally 20. Like <laughs> this person is 35. And honestly, age doesn't matter in the sense you could be successful, obviously, when you're 50, people pivot and become amazing at different ages. But I it was weird that I kept comparing myself. And I think that was when um I had to be like, whoa, like you need to really chill. Like you need to just be happy with where you are. And always <laughs> my my dad, especially, would be like, okay. Like, you need to be grateful. You're doing well. We've been praying for you. So don't even try and make it seem like you're not a success. I'm like, no, I'm not saying I'm not doing well. I just could be better. And I think that attitude might have even um, affected my growth for a period because I wasn't aware of how well I was doing. And I was almost like, you know, surrounding myself with all this negativity completely from my own doing. Like no one else was. I have to be, I have to say it was definitely a self-imposed situation. But the moment I removed um comparison and honestly just kind of adapted or adopted this gratitude mentality I think things changed for me um but yeah it was it was definitely hard at the beginning and I think it's something that there might be like random little moments in my life now but for the most part I think I'm I've removed self-doubt which is a good place to be
0: I'm glad you touched on comparison because I know a lot of people do this and you mentioned social media and in the Age of social media, it's something that people can easily do constantly at any given time. When you say you removed comparison
2: beyond expressing
0: gratitude, were there any other practical steps you took to do that?
2: Yeah, I think I keep saying this, and I don't know if this sounds weird, but like I have conversations with myself, right? Where um, they're almost just like a a candid conversation of like, where, where are we at right now? And I think when it came to the comparison one, it was like, okay, so let's speak candidly. Is it that you want to be this person? And I think when you start like analyzing, you know, what is actually at the heart of comparison, um, at least for me, it was the fact that like, I actually didn't want to be those people or go on their career journeys, but I just appreciated that they were doing really well at what they were doing. And I just thought, okay, so you just want to be maybe recognized further, or you want to, um, maybe try something new, but I guess the point of what I'm trying to say is that the main thing was realizing that I actually didn't want to be those people. And I think a lot of the time we don't actually have that full on conversation to get to that point to realise, like, what is at the heart of comparison? You just see someone doing really well and you think, oh, well, I mean, they're doing way better than me. Like, clearly I need to, you know, be better. But this idea of like actually realising that it wasn't the fact that they were just doing better. It was just that you really appreciate that they were doing well and you recognised it yourself. Like, that that was what it was for me.
0: And Michaela, you are an expert in fostering self-belief. Have you always had self-belief?
1: Absolutely not. No, and do you know what? We're always on that journey. We have moments when, you know, sitting here now, this this feels great. This is this is this is a lovely movement. But you know, you have times in your um, when you doubt the work that you're doing or your ability with what you're doing. And I know when I first started my business, gosh, that was an emotional roller coaster. I think for most people that have started a business, they would you know appreciate that because you're wearing all sorts of different hats and learning the ropes, and you're completely out of your comfort zone. And I think. I think if you do go out of your comfort zone, you're going to experience perhaps some form of self-doubt. You know, even if you think, I can do this, it's still going to be, can I still need to, I need to prove it, you know, because that's kind of, you're proving it to yourself, aren't you? And perhaps others, but really it should be about yourself, you know. Um, so I think it's completely normal. That again is like a wave, you know, and sometimes we'll have longer periods where we we doubt ourselves more and perhaps we're going through a shift because something needs to change because we've maybe been doing something for a while and, maybe it doesn't feel quite as aligned anymore or we've we've grown and we've evolved and we need to make that change. So um, yeah, it's, it's not a given, you know, to just have um, self-belief, I don't think. We're always kind of, yeah, riding that wave again.
0: Are there any tools that you would suggest to help women back themselves in the professional world? Mm.
1: So those, you know, narratives I mentioned beforehand are really important. So if we hear ourselves saying, I can't do that. They're better than me. You know, they're so much more successful than me and all those things. Then of course that's how we're gonna feel. And that's gonna probably be the outcome we're going to experience. But if we can, you know, kind of challenge that and reframe it to I can do this, I will do this, I am doing this, you know, that already puts us on more of a a front foot and in a positive mindset to approach and tackle. Challenge. So I'd say that's a big part of it. The other thing I'd say is you know surrounding yourself with people that support you, that empower you, you know, that don't knock you down. It drives me mad when I meet someone that comes to me and like their boss, that one person in their life or some or like a a partner or something has ground them down, you know. And it happens, you know, we do if we're a bit more vulnerable and we have that negative influence, it can really knock our confidence. But if we have people, sponsors, colleagues, friends, family that or a coach, you know, maybe you don't have those people in your sphere and you need to go elsewhere for it, um, then that can make a huge difference as well. But I think, um, I was speaking about it earlier, it was a conversation I was having earlier, but do the thing, prove it to yourself, you know, as show up for yourself. And even if you don't believe it before you've done it, show up for it, do it, and then you can prove it to yourself and then you'll have that confidence. That's how we build confidence and self-belief is by doing the thing, right? Even if it feels... Scary. As long as we know why we want to do it and it feels exciting and worth it, then it's worth doing it even when it's uncomfortable.
0: So take that first step, be conscious of your inner dialogue, and be conscious of the company you keep. I love those points. So in our last episode, we spoke to Katerina Johnson Thompson about staying motivated. And she had amazing insights from her career as an Olympic athlete. I would love to know how you two stay motivated because I think that, that taking that first step is is one thing, but how do I keep taking step two and step three and step four? And what if I get knocked down after step one? Is there any advice that you could provide, Abby?
2: Gosh, I think you might be better on the advice <laughs> front, but I can, I can speak to just experience. I don't know if it's advice, but I, I just, I'm so curious about things. And so it's gotten to a point where I'm just like, let's see how this could actually go. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. this? like I I it's it's a good thing, it's a bad thing. Uh. Um, but for me it all comes down to curiosity. I'm just genuinely curious to see like where something could go, what something looks like if I did something, um, what could come from it? So I I ground my uh, motivation and curiosity. Because I guess.
0: In every challenge, maybe if you reframe your perspective and say, you know what, what could I learn from moving on to stage two? Mm. And that's one way, I guess, to that's stay exactly motivated it. Yeah, no, through curiosity. Exactly. It. Yeah. What about you, Michaela? How can we stay motivated when times are tough?
1: Well, first of all, I just want to say that it's not realistic to be motivated all the time, mm. I don't think, in my experience. And sometimes that can be a tough place to be, but it's it's kind of about recognizing what's going on for you. So if you think, actually, oh, I just need a holiday. Maybe you do. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just need a break, right? And you come back and, you, and you're energized um, because life's busy, isn't it? Or sometimes things aren't aligned. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's actually your job. Maybe it's something else. And then it's about, okay, well, do I need to make a change here? And recognizing that you do have the power to do that, you know? And Not having to have it all figured out or make that decision right away, but allowing yourself to be curious, giving yourself permission, if you will, to explore different things or different ways of doing things or letting things go that aren't serving you to make space for the other things. So again, you know, I've said said this before, but it really is about tuning in, you know, that self-awareness of what's actually going on for me here and then recognizing, is it a holiday do I need to change? Do is this like a complete overhaul and like transformation? Um, but you know, I'm I'm a naturally ambitious person, so I, you know, I I get excited. I'm an opportunist. I want to show up and do things. But even then, like you can't be that person all the time. I'm sure if you spoke to you know really again, that's successful people or people that have have you know these accolades or achievements, they haven't always been motivated. They've had hurdles. They've had knockbacks and. But you, yeah, persistence pays off in the end. You know, if you really want something, then you will keep working towards it in spite
0: of those things, I think. I like that you said that because you've really highlighted the importance of compassion on your journey to staying or being motivated and understanding that it doesn't have to be you going at it full force, 24-7. On the topic of success, Abisola, how would you define success and equally do you fear failure? Mm,
2: Okay. Defining success. Um, I'll talk about how maybe I used to define it and then where I'm at now. I used to think success was something physical. So I always wanted like, okay, I have a physical shop or I have a physical product and it wasn't great because we worked in the digital world and so nothing we <laughs> did was physical and so yeah. i thought i was a failure for a long time because i just was like yeah but i don't like have anything like i would do an event but it would be over and then i'd be like okay but i don't really have anything to show for it yeah you take photos but it just i my mindset was so skewed i just used to think like okay well until i have this physical thing that i can give to someone and i think also coming from a nigerian background my grandparents, you know, everyone back home, they're like, oh, so what do you do? And you're like, um, I, well, I do these cool events and I create (laughs) content. It was just never like, okay, but what do you sell? You know, it was always like, what do you, and I, I think that kind of skewed my reality of what success looked like for a long time. And I had to accept the fact that like, you can obviously be successful without physically having something that you can hold in your hand. So, um, So now that I have physical things, I feel like it's easier maybe for me personally to think that, okay, sure, maybe I'm successful. But generally speaking, I think that balance of just being like really calm inside and knowing that I'm also quite excited about what I'm doing at the same time made me think I'm successful. At least that's the new measurement I put into place. Um, And I felt like that for, I'd say like a couple of years now. And so um, when new things arise, just because I feel like the world that we live in is so unpredictable that there are really interesting opportunities that can come up whenever, I let it kind of, I just go with the flow and see if a project goes well. And if it doesn't, honestly, I'm like, okay, but well, we did it and it was fun. And I measure success through, yeah, the excitement mixed with the calmness inside, but also just like the fact that I gave myself the opportunity to try something new and um, always giving it my all, but never really holding myself accountable if it goes like terribly because I just feel like, okay, it's it didn't go great, you know, but you tried and you can move forward. So for me, it's just a case of, I don't know. Experiences is almost where I measure the success now. So for you, I guess you'd say that failure is an opportunity for you to embrace learning. It's definitely an opportunity. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie; it doesn't feel great. Um, I think it's it's harder to measure or say something has failed with what we do because. I mean, I don't even, I mean, maybe some negative feedback, but still that's going to be something you can grow, you know, or maybe if something you are putting out there doesn't sell, I suppose, I still don't, I still wouldn't look at it as failure, you know, so maybe that's why I'm struggling to think of like how I react to it, because I think I'm generally quite positive if something doesn't go as well as I planned, I wouldn't call that failure, I'd probably just say it just, you know, could have been better. So yeah, I don't actually have too much, too many negative thoughts like that, I
0: yeah. I love the fact that failure as a word doesn't even exist in your vocabulary <laughs> yeah, of learning because it's yeah. like literally a learning process and I think that's really important. Michaela, what's the most important thing to remember when defining success on your terms? I
1: think it's remembering that it's it's unique to everyone, you know, and I think it's really easy to get caught up in the power money kind of, you know, definitions of success and I think there're even that if you google it those definitions still come up, yeah. but it really is about defining success on your terms. You know, for me, it's freedom because, you know, I guess I kind of, I don't know if I like the term freedom for but that, you know, creative freedom, the things that, you know, I live my life the way that I want to. I can build it around my family life. I can do, do anything I want to do whenever I want to do it. But it's much more than that. It's knowing that you can be or do whatever you want to at any given point. It's just choosing to do it and then showing up for it. So again, it's tuning in with, you know, what's really important to me, like what actually really matters to me. You need to have that honest conversation with yourself. And then when you know that, you can live in alignment with that and you're going to get that sense of inner peace and excitement and trust in your path because it won't be things that you feel you should be doing, like making more money or having material things. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. But if if there's shoulds and there's no um, compelling, you know, why behind you should be doing, you know, doing those things then it won't feel aligned or good or, or successful. It will feel like empty success. You know, it might look like success to other people, but you won't actually feel it. So it's everybody has or should have their own unique version and definition of it, I think.
0: I remember reading a quote online about success. I think it was attributed to Maya Angelou and she said, success is loving who you are, Loving what you do and loving how you do it. And I feel like that beautifully encompasses both your answers as well. So many wise words have come yeah. from
1: the woman's mouth. I love her. Yeah.
0: And
2: finally, I'd love to know what is next for you both? Oh, gosh. Um, okay, what's next for me? Um, there's a, a couple of things. Um, and I know they're probably going to sound quite random. Um, but the main thing that I'm focusing on right now is I am launching a drinks brand. And uh, oh, yeah, wow. I can see you're like, oh, OK, Miss Queen of Pivot. I I love mean, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. But um, yeah, it started because um, my sister, she runs a bakery called Dee's Basement and we did a um, supper club a couple of years ago wow. and I did the drinks. And I made them from scratch and it they went really well. They People loved them. And whenever people came by the studio, we would serve them and people started to just ask about it. And I thought like, maybe I should launch a drinks brand. Um, so I literally just Googled like drinks factories in England, reached out to a couple, like honestly, you're going to think, it, you're going to probably not believe the process, but it really was straightforward. Like I just had these drinks that I made, Googled it, found a really good factory around market harbor and now we're developing our drinks to launch in september congratulations that's like the main thing and they're these like non-alcoholic drinks so they're like fun to just work on and yeah that's that's the big one i'm focusing on at the moment so yeah it's definitely different to what i'm currently doing so wow that's that's, super exciting (laughs) yeah
0: amazing and what about you Michaela?
2: So I was just
1: debating in my head about whether to share this because it's kind of um, breaking news. <laughs> so feel free to cut this out if you don't want it in. But um, I'm actually three months pregnant. So, oh, <laughs> um, So like I mentioned, I'm already a mum of one. And, you know, I share it because I think it's important for women to, to hear about this. You know, the first time I, I, I did have my business when I had my my first baby boy, Kobe. And I, you know, I I did a session a couple of weeks beforehand. I was actually about to do a session and I was going into labor and I had to call her up and say, I don't think I can do this right now (laughs) because the contractions are coming on a bit strong. So do you mind if we just push it back a little bit? And um, so anyway, that happened. And then I kind of had him in the October and then by the the January, I started working again. So I didn't really take, and it is different when you have your own business and you can do it on your own terms, but I think this time you know, round I want to allow a bit of space for enjoying that period because I think, you know, I'm probably not going to do this. Maybe not again. You know, <laughs> I want to embrace motherhood. Of course, I'll still be doing my business stuff and I'll be working with clients one-to-one up until then and running programs and doing this amaz- amazing, you know, project and collective with Carolina Herrera. But, um, yeah, that's, I think that's going to be a significant next part of my journey that I want to embrace, really. So I thought I would mention it. I debated whether to do that for a moment. Um, but yeah, so that's, we'll see, I think.
0: Watch this face. Oh, congratulations Thank to you, you both. Um, I know I said that that was the last thing, but I have two more things I would love to do with you both. So the first... I asked my Instagram followers to send over questions they would want to ask the both of you. We've got loads of questions in. There's one question that really stood out that I would like for you to answer. I got this question from Hebo underscore six, And she asked, how can you excel in an industry when there are gatekeepers blocking entries? So Abisola, would you like to answer that one first?
2: Um, It's... It's a hard one because I understand what she means and or what they mean, because I feel like um, sometimes the easiest way seems like, you know, getting advice from someone. But from my own personal experience, I actually feel like it was very hard because I didn't know anyone in the industry um, and you would email people and you would never get responses. Um, so I had to just continually uh, put myself out there, try and intern. I don't know, obviously, the industry they're thinking, but... Um, put myself out there in a way that it meant that there was going to be a lot of no's and uh, a lot of people, uh, ignoring the art, you know, ignoring my question, but I, I was pretty persistent, maybe even annoying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) where I was like, you know, I want to intern here. Like I want to do this. I remember just to give a really great example, I really wanted to, uh, intern at Vogue. And it was one of those situations where I was like, I'm not from the typical families that, you know, could easily work there. I don't know anyone. And I sent the emails, no one responded. I ended up handwriting a letter and going to Vogue House and literally being wow. like, hey, can you put this in this person's box? And I became friends with the security guards there. And two weeks later, I got an interview and I interned there. Wow, so I feel like, from, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it I respect like, that and
1: admire that so much. But that's what it takes sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah, no, it really no, does. And you really wanted it. You made and it happen. Was,
2: there was no one who was going to help me and there was no one I could even look to. So not necessarily a gatekeeper, but also just not knowing anyone is kind of the same thing, right? Um, and so you just have to get creative. Yeah, depending on what you're looking to do. But sometimes it works.
0: It, it, definitely, that's inspiring. It works in your yeah, case. I think I, I might like write some handwritten yeah. letters. <laughs> yeah, <about. laughs> well, we stand out with those these days, <laughs> right? Do, bro. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about you, Michaela? How could someone um, excel in an industry where they feel like there's some gatekeeping going on? Yeah, so I think there are always going to be, gosh, I work with women
1: to think of certain industries where it is more challenging than others, where you're just going to get people that aren't supportive, you know, and there'll be other people Companies where they are more supportive, or other people that will kind of I think maybe you've got to find those people, but I think like you were saying, there, that that persistence. And again, it's really difficult. It's surrounding yourself with people that can support you and they might not be internal to that situation. They might be that you need the support, or you might, it might be about assessing whether that environment isn't right for you because there will be people within that industry, right, that are supportive. Um, so if they're not in that environment and that's not serving you and it doesn't feel right, if you've tried all avenues, you know, and you've been persistent and you you keep getting that brick wall, then maybe it's about assessing whether that isn't the place where you're going to thrive and trying so- somewhere else, perhaps. But, um, yeah, it's I know it's challenging, you know, and it can really knock your confidence, can't it? So it's it's tough. <laughs>
0: Thank you both so much. You have been amazing. The final thing I would love to do with you both is play a quick game. It's a quick fire question game. I've got some cards. I'm going to ask you some questions and both of you have to answer as fast as you can oh gosh. in a minute. Oh so we'll start. I just thought we'll start with you. Okay. Yeah, I get to warm up. You. <laughs> you, yeah, you do get to okay. warm up. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. So the clock starts now. One thing you wish you'd known at the start of your career. Uh, That you could do anything, literally. Worst career advice you've received? That you have to do one job forever. You feel most
2: engaged when? I'm around really inspiring and cool people. Best
0: career advice you've received?
2: Uh, Oh, Creativity will be limited by comparison, so don't. Biggest career dream? Oh, to have a hotel.
0: In five years, you'd like to be? Sitting
2: in my hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Best career moment so far? Oh, um, getting to work with just really cool people and brands. Yeah, I never expected that, so that's cool. Favourite work snack? I like smoothies.
0: Oh, you've done it. Okay. We're there. We are there. Phenomenal. And we still have <laughs> lots of time. I
2: was like, <laughs> what, what am I saying? Like- I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> they were very articulate answers, so I've got to
0: say. Oh, impressive. Okay, Michaela, it's your <laughs> yeah. turn. Oh, no, God. Okay. I'd be a set the bar. Then you have. You okay. have more pressure now. And go. Feeling
1: empowered is? Um, being empowered, self-empowerment. Your first job? <laughs> um, my first job was in a restaurant. Yeah. Biggest career risk? Um, quitting my job, starting my business. Favourite work song? Um, run the world, Beyonce. <laughs>
0: Biggest motivator? Um, my freedom. Your dream mentor is um, Deborah Eden. Success is um, on your own terms. You feel most drained when um, I haven't had a good night's sleep. You feel most confident when
1: um, I've got Mr. Letters on. <laughs>
0: And you've done it! (laughs) You have both been amazing. You are phenomenal women. Abisola and Michaela, thank you so much for sharing your inspiring advice on the Walk Tall podcast. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to tell your friends and please let us know what you think by leaving a rating and a review. If you'd like to join us for a live recording and wrap party in London to celebrate the season finale, head to the Carolina Herrera website for a chance to attend a limited ticket event. Just visit carolinaherrera.com. That's carolinaherrera.com. And one final thing before you go... If you're at the beginning of your career journey and you want the confidence to pursue success on your terms, then I invite you to apply for the Carolina Herrera Career Collective. Created in partnership with She Almighty, the collective is a bespoke 12-month group coaching program designed to kickstart your career, discover new opportunities, and be part of a community of like-minded women looking to do the same. Head to the She Almighty website to apply, at shealmighty.com forward slash carolina herrera collective that's shealmighty.com forward slash carolina herrera collective